Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Some of you in this room, probably over the age of 40 or 45, will remember a documentary that came out back in 1978-1980 called Scared Straight. Okay, Some of you in this room go, I wasn't even born in 78. What are you talking about, dude? Well, here it is, guys. It was, it was this documentary that forever freaked me out. I mean, you guys got to understand that, okay? You go, well, like, 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 what was it? Well, here, let, let me unpack the premise. Let me unpack what, what they were trying to do that really, that really freaked me out. You go, what was that? Okay, um, let me ask it. Have you ever heard of Scared Straight? Have you ever heard of that documentary, guys? You? No? See, they, they, don't, they don't know. Okay, how many, how many remembers that documentary? How many? So, yeah, very good. Here, here's the premise of it, guys. Here's the premise. Okay, it was filmed in 1978, and what they did is they took a group of juvenile delinquents, okay? Now, they used to call them juvenile delinquents, but these were teenagers, guys, that were headed on the wrong path. They were getting into trouble. They were breaking into homes. They were, they were you know, they were just, they were, I mean, think about it. They were on the path Okay, they were getting to real, real trouble. And what they did is they took them, okay, they took them into this prison and they had this three-hour session with what they called the lifers, okay? Lifers, if you don't know what that is, these were prisoners, if you will, that were in there for life. They were in for murder. They were in for theft. They were in for rape. I mean, they were a hard lifer. They were not getting out, if you know what I mean. They had nothing to lose. And so these teenagers come in and they're shaking it in. And here's what they do. The premise was is they were, they were guys berating them. They broke them down. They were trying to. And, and, and again, when you're first watching this, you're like, whoa, because it was the first time on network television that they could actually use the F-bomb and the different words. And it was like unheard of, unprecedented. But they wanted to teach these kids a lesson. Don't do what I'm doing. Don't get here. They were lifers. And here's what they hope to accomplish. They hope to accomplish, guys, to an attempt to scare them straight, to scare them from a life of not going down the wrong path, to scare them from ending up in prison. Statistically, only one out of the initial group actually ended up in prison a couple of years later. But everybody else was like, it was amazing. It was incredible. You see, what the lifers were trying to say is, let me be your example of what not to do. Let me be an example so you don't follow down the same path. Let, and I'll never forget it, guys. It scared me straight, and I wasn't even a delinquent. Okay, I wasn't even a juvenile. I was like, I was a good kid, but I'm like, okay, I ain't going to prison. Uh-uh. I, mean, so, I mean, like, I started repenting of things that I didn't even do. You know what I'm talking about? I was like... Lord, forgive me. I don't want it. But, but it scared me. It scared me straight. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're saying, Ben, Ben, I, I got a question. Listen, dude, what does the documentary Scared Straight have to do with what Paul is teaching us in the Bible? Well, listen, listen. If you look at it a little bit closely, I believe what Paul is trying to communicate 
to the church at Corinth is exactly what the documentary tried to do. You go, what do you mean? What Paul's trying to do, if you're taking note, is he's going to remind us that, listen, that we can learn from other people's mistakes. We can learn and not make the same mistakes. Listen, if you are parents here, if you are parents, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You'll go to great lengths to keep your kid from trying to make or, or from making the same mistakes you make. You'll go to great lengths to go, please don't go down. This is the path I went down. Here's the consequences, please. And your kids look at you like you have no idea what the world is about. And they go down that same path and you see them get hurt, but they have to learn. They have to learn. And it breaks our heart. But we'll do whatever we can to keep them from the serious consequences of, of what we learned. And our parents did the same way. I want you to learn. I Don't do this. It might be don't do this or it might be do this. Either way, this is what Paul is trying to communicate, right? He says, listen, Paul says, I want to show you the history of Israel. I want to show you how they made mistakes. So, so Corinth, so you don't make those mistakes. And then he looks at us and he says, so you guys at Calvary, you don't make those mistakes. Please don't make those mistakes, right? Because it's been said that a wise person learns from his mistakes, Amen. A wise person learns. Oh, how many mistakes have you made that you go, oh, I learned from that. Man, I won't do that again, right? We learn from our mistakes, specifically if you are electrician. How many times do you have to get zapped before you go, okay, I can't touch that? We, we've done that, right? As mechanics, how many bruised knuckles do you have trying to fix them? You go, oh, I can't do that. I've learned. But it says an even wiser person learns from somebody else's mistake. An even wiser person. So, so, so we all, we all want to be wise. Oh, I want to walk in wisdom. He says, but it's even wiser for us to look and go, oh, that's a mistake. Okay. Okay. I'm going to learn from that. I'm going to learn from that. For me, guys, for me, it was football. It was football. And you go, why? Because I grew up, listen, I grew up and I had two older brothers and, and I used to look at their life. And I remember I got to sleep over at my older brother's house and his wife. And it was Sunday morning and she came out and I'll never forget it. She came out and she's like, honey, baby doll, sweetie cake. I want to go to the mall today. I want to do, let's hang out. To which my brother said, no, I'm going to watch football. And he watched every single game that Sunday till from morning till night. And I thought to myself, boy, if I ever get a wife, I'm not going to do that. I'm, she wants to spend time. We're going to spend time together. I remember thinking that. No joke. True story. I remember learning going, that's, that's a mistake. Football is going to come and go. That's your wife. Well, unfortunately, they're both, both of my older brothers are divorced because, again, they didn't learn from other people's mistakes. This is what Paul's trying to tell us, guys. That we can learn. We can learn so we don't make the same mistakes. You see, the men in prison, well, they wanted to show what real life in prison so they, other people didn't end up there, scared them straight. But Paul wants to, I don't think it's a scared straight, I think it's a love straight. You know what I mean? He wants to love us so that we could walk in obedience to God. He wants to love us because Paul's heart is all about love. Paul's heart is all about people, right? If you were going to hashtag 1 Corinthians, you could say people matter. People matter. That's what it's all about. He wants to look at people. And I think if you and I want to walk in the victory that God has given us, we need to have the same heart as Jesus. The same heart where we say people matter. People matter. I want to love people. 
Guys, it's, we're a week and a half away from Thanksgiving. People matter. What can we do? What can we do? Let's take some of that money that we, let's, let, I don't know what God puts in your heart. Do something. That's what he's saying. He's saying. Now, remember, like, like we've, been, we've been walking with 1 Corinthians now for a while. Okay, so I need to kind of go back and let you know why Paul's writing this, because sometimes we forget. Okay, there were five major issues in the church. Five. The first one, chapters one through four, dealt with divisions, okay? There's always divisions in church. Well, don't like this pastor, don't like that pastor, don't, yeah, I'm a Paulist, I'm a, and, and he's like, guys, it's not about, it's not about denominations, it's not about churches, it's not about pastors, it's about Jesus. And so Paul says, go back to Jesus. And I said this yesterday, and you guys know this, there will be no Calvary Chapel people in heaven. You go, what do you mean, we're not saved? No, guys, we don't get to heaven based on our name or denomination, we get to heaven based upon Jesus. I Listen, I seriously doubt we're going to get to heaven and go, okay, where did you go to church? Really? Yeah, I heard that. Your pastor was really flaky. We're not going to say that at all in heaven. We're going to be like, ah, I made it. You made it. Cool. And we'd worship the Lord. Amen. That's what we're going to do. And so he says the focus is on Jesus. And of course, the next problem they had was, well, you guys remember it was, it was related to sex, sexual immorality, right? It was related to singleness and marriage. And Paul talks to them and he says, guys, we need to talk about this. Remember sexual immorality? It's the word porneia. It's where we get the word pornography in our English, right? To where a lot of people have a problem with pornography. They really do. And see, it's not only men. See, eight out of ten men in the church struggle with pornography, but now the women are coming up and watching it, and we have to be so careful. Why? Because we live in a sex-saturated world. Sex sells, but it saturates everything else. We have to be careful. We have to be so careful. You remember that old song in Sunday school, Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear, for the Lord is up above and he's looking down below. Be careful, little ear. Guys, that's what, it's the same thing. Be careful. Be careful. And then he says, okay, so where we're in right now, he says, the third problem this church is having is that, man, there's some idolatry going on and there's some food offered to, to, to idols. We've got to deal with that. There's some idolatry. We're, we're worshiping idols. And then Paul says, okay, so the fourth problem we're having is that I've got to talk to you about problems and their weekly worship gatherings. They were getting together, but there was problems. And then the last problem that he deals with was the resurrection. The resurrection. Paul says, no, no, no. Here's why. Because he's going to write in Romans that the resurrection power in us is what helps us to walk with Jesus every day. It's what heals us. It's what brings joy, peace, love. It's, it's the resurrection power. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in you. We just, we just don't use it. We don't use it. Right? It's like when you have, how many of you, how many of you cash burns a hole in your pocket? Anybody? Cash. If you have cash, you spend it. How many of you don't like to cash your $100 bill because then you'll spend it? Right? How many of us, there's only one that's like, that's my money. 
You, in other words, you got a $100 bill. You know if you cash that thing, it's gone. You know that. So you'll keep it in your purse and your wallet for a long, long time. You'll use credit. Here, I'll put it on my card. Here, I'll put it on my card because if I, if I, that's Paul says. Paul says you got $100 bills and you won't cash it because you're, you, you got to cash that power. It's the resurrection power. No, 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 because if I cash it, I'll have to use it. Yeah. And on a side note, the cashiers look at you weird when you pull out cash, don't they? They're like this. What is this? It's called money. Well, nobody uses this anymore. They use the card. Side note, just kidding. So that's what Paul's dealing with, resurrection. And last week, guys, just to catch you up, Paul exhorted us, guys, to run the race to win. He says, this is the gospel. You ready? He says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. Can I get an amen? Okay. If you're going to run, you need to run to win. If I said, all right, everybody, right after service, we're all going to line up. And the winner gets a brand new iPad 5. Winner. All right, ready to go. How many of you are going to go, yeah, I'm just going to fool around. I don't, I don't need an iPad. How many of us are going to go, I'm going to run to win. I want that iPad. That's, that's, what, that's how we're designed, right? That's what Paul says. Paul says, listen, if you're going to do this Christian thing, kids, if you're going to do the Christian thing, he says, run to win. Go for the gold, man. Do it to blow people's minds away. Don't just do it. Don't just, ah, you know, Christian, you know, Christian. Maybe, I, I don't know, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. He says, run. Run to win. Go for it. Go for it. And be careful that you don't rely on your past to help you run the race. It won't happen. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because here's what happened to me. We were in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. And Nathalie has always been a runner. Okay, she's run all of her life. I ran, I ran in high school, I ran track, I ran long distance, but after a while, you know, I just, I'm not that runner. I don't run long distance. But hey, one day, Nathalie said, hey, sweetie, here's a path. We're in Missouri. She goes, here's a path. Why don't we go for a run and let the kids ride their bikes? Okay? So Talia had a little bit of 10-speed bike. Miranda had a little one. I said, oh, no problem. Okay? So we get out there. And he said, go. So I take off, right? And I'm trusting in the fact that I used to run in high school, which about years ago. You know what I'm talking about? And so I take off running, and I'm just like, oh, this is good. And I look behind, and she's way back there. Nathalie's way back there. The kids are trying to keep up with me for about the first 50 yards. All of a sudden, I think I really became allergic to running. Because my heart started beating out of my chest. I couldn't breathe. I was sweating profusely. And I I look back and here comes Nathalie. She's just running. She's running. And so, okay. So I'd run fast and I'd pass her. You know, you ever have that feeling where you feel like you're going to die? That was me. So then I thought, okay, I need to, how am I going to win this race? So I let her pass me, and I stopped Talia, and I said, Talia, let me get on your bike. (laughs) 
So I rode on Talia's bike just enough to where nothing can see. I'd jump off and I'd start running. (laughs) Why? Because, guys, sometimes we think we've got to run the race, but we're depending on our past and who we were instead of saying, no, I've got to get conditioned today. That's what Paul's going to say. Paul says, I've got to dis- I didn't discipline my body to run. I just ran. I just ran. Now, just a side note, I think I could catch her now. <laughs> We'd run in Israel. We'd run in Israel. And I mean, it's so, it was so, it was just so, uh, she'd always run way ahead of me. You know, and it would be that run where she turns around and runs backward, and you're just like, if I could catch you, I would give you a dirty look. You know, because it was taunting. It was like, are you coming? I was just like, I think I could catch her. I think I could catch her. See, because Paul tells us, guys, listen, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that's going to fade away. He says, but guys, here's what we do. We need to do it for an eternal prize. If you're going to do this Christian thing, man, go for it. Run with all of your heart. Get out there. Get out there. Get out there. Guys, run to win. Don't be distracted by the rights and the privileges. Oh, well, I have rights. He says, don't be distracted. He says, don't let those who cause you to lose your passion. He says, don't let those cause you to lose your passion for Jesus. Don't let those things. Don't lose those things. Last week, guys, we learned a very important lesson. We learned a very important lesson And here's the lesson. See, the gospel in real life, it reminded us that you and I, we should be a type of people with a passion, with, with, with a, so be so consumed with the passion for God and for others. Amen. That should be a so, such a passionate. We should be a passionate group for Jesus, right? And a love for others. That's who we should be. That's who we should be. But I got to ask you a question and you can jot this down. I want you to, I want you to write this question down. What's in your cup? Pastor, you went from a passion for Jesus to what's in my cup. I don't know what you're talking about. Let me illustrate it this way, okay? Let me illustrate it this way. If I were to get this bottle of water, okay, and I'm holding it here, okay? I open it up, right, right? And I'm, and I'm just sitting here like this, and I don't know, and I'm not paying attention to who's around me, and somebody comes from behind me, let's say Joseph. Joseph is walking, and he's trying to turn off the screens or something, and he bumps me. Like he doesn't see me, I don't see him, and I spill all of this water, okay? Knocks it out of my hand, I'm just, ah! Now, I wouldn't do it on the carpet, but you guys see the, you guys see the straight, right? Your question to me, right? You go, oh, okay, Ben, well, I I have a question, okay? I have a question. Okay, um, why did you spill your water? And I would say, because Joseph bumped into me. But that's the wrong answer. You go, well, no, wait a minute, Joseph bumped into you. No, 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 that's the wrong answer. Why did I spill the water? Because there's water in my cup. If it was tea, I would have spilled tea. If it was coffee, I would have spilled, I would have spilled coffee. Okay? Now that I got your attention, let me take it in. Okay? What's ever inside the cup is what will spill out. Therefore, 
when life comes along and shakes you, what's going to happen? Whatever is inside you is going to come out. See, it's easy to fake it until you get rattled. It's easy to fake it. So we have to ask ourselves, church, listen, we have to ask ourselves, what's in my cup? When life gets tough, and we know it will, what's going to spill over? When I get bumped by life, does joy and peace and happiness and patience come out? Or does bitterness and anger and resentment and harsh words, what's in your cup? You see, because Paul exhorted us last week, he said, you know what should be in our cup? A consuming passion for Jesus and a love for others. When life hits us hard, what comes out is just that passion for God. That we shouldn't run away from God when life gets hard, but we should run to God. What's the difference between religion and a relationship? What's the difference? Religion is, I've messed up. Don't tell dad. A relationship is, I've messed up. I better call dad. That's where we need to be. That's where, that's what Paul is trying to say. He said, the gospel in everyday life, guys, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. Life provides you the cup. You choose how you fill it. You choose. What's in your cup? What's in your cup? Well, as Paul comes to chapter 10, remember, he, that's where he left us. Run your race. Run your race. And so our question would be, how, Pastor? How, Pastor Paul? How do we run our race? He says, learn from other people's mistakes. Learn from other people's examples. See, it doesn't have to be even, it doesn't even have to be what? Mistakes. It doesn't have to be. John Maxwell says this, a wise man learns from your mistakes. A wiser man learns from other people's mistakes, but the wisest of all learns from other people's successes. Quote John Maxwell. So we can learn from other people, okay? And that's what he's trying to say. That's what he wants us to get to. Paul says, I'm going to show you Israel's history so that you don't worship idols. So you didn't caught up in sexual immorality. And so you don't, you ready? Complain. Listen, you guys are a bunch of great. I know, you, you, I goes, I, know, I know we're not complainers, right? We don't complain about anything, okay? We don't complain that it's too hot in the summer, and we don't complain that it's too cold in the winter. No, pastor, we're good people. Israel, man, they're the complainers, aren't they? Paul's going to show us we got to be careful with our with our complaining. You guys ready? Jump to verse one. Notice what it says. Paul says, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that our fathers were under the cloud. All passed through the sea, all baptized into Moses, in the cloud, in the sea, they ate from the spiritual food, all drank from the same spiritual drink, for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. What's he saying? Guys, this blows my mind. Paul says, let's take a trip down memory lane. You guys ready? You remember our fathers? And they're like, oh yeah. He's talking about the children of Israel that had left Egypt on the Exodus. He says, remember them. 
Now, you and I go, Pastor, I wasn't there. Okay, go back to Charlton Heston's Ten Commandments. We've all seen it. Dun, 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 right? And so, and then he goes, okay, you guys remember them? He goes, yeah, uh, we remember them, okay? He says, they were under the cloud. And you go, man, that's so cool. What does that mean? Well, what it means, guys, is it says the cloud was they was they were continually under the defense of the pillar of the cloud, and it was so symbolic of God's presence in their life. God says, "Listen, I'm I'm going to lead you by a cloud during the day, and I'm going to lead you by fire by night. You'll know I'm in there." One of the biggest things the enemy wants to do in each of our lives is to get us away from the presence of God. He wants to draw us away from the presence of God. And God says, no, 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 I'm a cloud in your life. I'm going to be there. What does a cloud do? Well, if you've ever been to the desert in the Middle East, you know that it can go from 130 in the daytime to freezing at night. There's the children of Israel. Here we go. Where are we going? I don't know. Follow Moses. God says, no, here's what a cloud's going to do. You know what a cloud does? It's going to bring shade in the midst of a hot desert. It's going to bring protection. Right? Could you imagine that cloud descending that the enemies couldn't even see what they were fighting? Not only that, but it's a fire by night, guys. A fire, what, is, what does a fire do? It brings warmth, man. He, he had this huge fire that, that they're just walking in light and they're walking in warmth. They're like, they're not, it's not like, turn on the heater, I'm freezing. It's like, there's God. He's, there he is. There, there's God. Hey, are, are, you, are you guys cold? Are you kidding me? God's right there. God's right there. And he says, guys, that's the same thing. He says, he, he has this cloud. He has this cloud. It's his divine presence. But listen to me. Listen, guys, listen. It's the same for us. Do you realize that God wants his presence inside you? He wants you to remember him and walk with him. His presence is ever with you. It was David who said, where, where can I go? If I, if I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I, if I, where, where are you going to go? See, God's presence is with us. But he wants to remind you that he's always protecting you. He's always protecting you. I think it was last Sunday. I was driving on my way to church, and I think I hit every single red light. You, you ever do that? It's like, are you kidding me? These lights are always green. There's no cars. I mean, literally, there were no cars. And I had to thank God's protecting me for something. Because uh, I'd never hit every single red light. I mean, that's just silly analogy, but you guys know what I'm talking about. And so again, notice what he says, guys. He says, moreover, brethren, I didn't want you to be unaware. They were under the cloud. And they passed through the sea. We all know that, right? What's he talking about? He's talking about the Red Sea. Now, there's a lot of people go, ah, that's a myth. No, no, no. They've actually had divers go into the Red Sea and find these, um, they're just like these chariot wheels that have been fossilized over the last 4,000 years. They, they pull them, this is a, they found stuff. I believe it, right? I believe the children of Israel were like, oh, what are we doing? God's like, watch this. And they walk through and dry land. I walked over drive. Listen, if God's going to do that for Israel, is he not going to do that for us? He's going to do that for us. He's going to walk with us. He's going to say, listen, I'm going to make a way where the world says there is no way. I'm going to intervene when you think, man, I have nowhere to go. I'm going to step up, man, and I watch. He's doing it for the children of Israel. They walk through. And he says, oh, by the way, do you guys remember when you were hungry? Do you remember when food ran out? 
He said, I provided manna. Now you're looking at me, you go, what's manna? That's exactly what they said. You know what it means? What is it? What is it? It's like a coriander thing. I don't know, but that's what they ate. They ate manna every day in the desert. Manna. Okay? They had manna burgers. They had manna meatloaf. No, it wasn't meatloaf, but it was manna loaf, okay? You know they definitely had what? Manicotti, thank you. They definitely had that. All my Italian friends, manicotti, yeah. They had that every day. Now, remember what they had to do? You guys remember? They said this. They said, listen, listen. They go, you can only have it for one day because it'll spoil if you save the next. How do we know? How do we know that it's spoiled? Because those guys didn't listen. They're like, God said we should only keep one day. I'm going to keep two. I know better. They opened it the next day going, hey, you ready for some breakfast? Little worms. It was spoiled. Do you ever... Do you ever go, man, I'm exactly like the children of Israel. God says, don't do this. You go, well, I think I can. God says, just just get manna for a day. Okay, God, we got it. Honey, pick up an extra too. There you go. Midnight snack. But on Friday night, he said, make sure you get two days because you're not supposed to pick any on the next day. That's He's talking about spiritual food. But he's also saying, he's also saying this, check it out. Check it out. Listen. In John chapter 6, verse 35, because it was an example, Jesus stands up and he looks at the people. He says, I am the bread of life. I am that manna in the desert. It was spiritual food. Oh, it it was literally food. You get that, right? Right? It was manna tacos, manna enchiladas. You know what I'm talking about? It was food. They ate it. But it was, it was a symbol. It was a sign. It was Jesus. And then, as the story goes, I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty, children of Israel, right? So what does Moses do? God says, speak to the rock. Well, the first thing he says is what? Strike the rock and water will come out. Jesus, in the same passage in John 35, says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall never hunger again. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst again. So Jesus is the rock. If you're in Corinth and you know history, you're going, oh, that was an exact, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. That's my Jesus. For us, guys, don't ever forget that Jesus is your sustenance. He's your bread. He's the only one that satisfies when you're thirsty, he's the only one that satisfies. He's the only one. We can go looking for it, right? We go looking for it all. We look for love in all the wrong places. We end up in places we shouldn't be because we're trying to fulfill that a thing that only God can fill. We're trying to fulfill that. We go, <gasps> and God says, I'm, I'm the only one that can fill that. I'm the only one that satisfies you. But we're like the children of Israel at times. We're rebellious, and we think we can do it our way. And we think that, oh, I, I've got this, God. I, I, I got this. And he says, no, I'm, I'm, I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. So then he changes thoughts. Paul changes thoughts. Look at verse 5 with me, if you don't mind. 
He says, but with most of them, God was not well pleased. Why? For their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Guys, do you remember that? Do you remember? He's, he's reminding us. He's, he's taking us back to memory lane, history. And here's what happened. What happened is because of sin and unbelief. Everybody say unbelief. And why do I ask you? Because of sin and unbelief, mostly everybody except for two didn't get into the promised land. They died out in the wilderness. 20 years and younger were fine. 20 years and older, they were going to walk around. Can anybody help me? Can anybody? How long did they walk in the wilderness? 40 years walking around, right? Until every one of them who didn't believe, who didn't put their faith, who didn't. I mean, think about this, guys. You saw him open the Red Sea. You saw him bring manna. You, it was even so bad that you got tired of manna and you started complaining. You complained so much that God says, you want meat? Here's quail. And he gave him so much quail that it was coming out of their nostrils. Now, I've eaten a lot of food, but none of it has ever come out of my nostrils. That's how bad it was. Now, you've seen God work in ways that have blown your mind. Can I get an amen? And yet you still doubt? See? Guys, Paul's like, see, guys, some of them were, they, they, God wasn't pleased with them. Their bodies are buried in the desert somewhere. And I started to think about that. I said, man, think about that. What a great example, right? What a great example for us. You go, well, like what? Well, here's what I believe, right? Here, here, here's, here's the truth of the matter. Example number one, if we're going to learn from example, we know that unbelief will hinder your walk with God. Unbelief will hinder your walk with God. It will. It'll trip you up. Because we're called to walk by what? Faith and not by sight. But if we don't see what's going to happen around the corner, we'll stop. We'll stop. We won't walk and say, I believe God is there. We'll go, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, what's next? That's not faith, is it? You know what faith is? Faith is not seen. As a matter of fact, the writer of Hebrews says this. This is what faith is. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, but it's the evidence of things not seen. It's faith. You go, I trust you. I trust you, God. I trust you. What's going to happen in January 2020? No clue. No clue. But I know Jesus is already there. What's going to happen in 2021? No clue. Will you even be here? No clue. But I know Jesus is already there. And I'm going to walk. Listen to me. I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight until my faith becomes sight. Until I see him face to face. That's what it's about. That's what Christianity is about. Okay? So we're walking by faith. Well, what's the purpose, Paul? Everybody say, what's the purpose? He says, well, these things became our examples. Really? Yeah. To the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they lusted. He says, guys, the reason I'm writing this is those those were examples not to lust after evil things. They lusted. I'm I'm trying to scare you straight. I'm trying to love you straight. I'm trying to show you so that you can learn. What, Paul? Help us. Help us. He says, well, do you guys remember when they came out of Egypt? It wasn't just the Israelites who came out of Egypt. There was something called the mixed multitude. Do you guys remember the mixed multitude? There were Ethiopians, there were Egyptians, there were people who were like, they're defecting, we're joining you. The mixed multitude. He says, back in Numbers, see, 
here's the problem. They lusted for evil things because, because of the mixed multitude. In Numbers 11, it says, Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense cravings. So the children of Israel also wept and said, Here's what happened. Who will give us meat to eat? Remember the fish that we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. But now our whole being is dried up and there's nothing except this manna before our eyes. The mixed multitude corrupted Israel to where they started complaining. What were they complaining about? I miss, I miss the melons. I miss, I miss Egypt. What are they, but, but, but focus, what are they saying? I miss the onions and the leek. Who misses? How many of you miss leeks? I mean, you know, it's just like leeks. I mean, they miss that, right? Okay. But they miss the fish and they miss the meat. Now, let me show you. Let me show you something. They never once missed or said they missed the whippings and the scourgings and the taskmasters. Why? Well, Ben, they're only pointing out good stuff. They're only pointing out what? The onions and the melons and the cucumbers and the garlic. Oh, it's so good. I can't believe that. Oh, I miss that. I miss that so much. I miss that so much. Here's why. Because we're human, we have a tendency to block out all of the bad and only remember the good. In relationships, right? If you have a relationship, you know what I'm talking about? I miss her so much. Dude, she was horrible to you. She tried to set you on fire. I know, but I loved her. Dude, seriously, she wrecked your car. I know, but the way she lived. We only remember the good stuff. But in reality, you go, that girl was crazy. She's crazy, right? We, we do that. We only remember the good stuff. And that's what they're saying. They don't remember. Man, the, and here's the thing, man. Like, like some of us here, we're like, man, I just want to go back to the 80s. I just want to go back to that. Man, I just had a great day. But you remember high school wasn't all that. It wasn't. You just kind of remember. Yeah, I remember going to the games. But you remember. I mean, it's just we have a tendency, and I think they're doing that too. But what they did is they caused Israel to complain and crave the evil things. You go, Ben, what can we learn? What can we learn about this? The word lusted there, guys, is desired and preferred the old life. So what he's saying, he's saying, here's the example. We, we were longing for our old life before Jesus. We were lusting for it. Was it really that great before you came to Jesus? I remember my life before Jesus. We were out, we would party, man, and it would. But do you remember what happened the next morning? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember. I couldn't even go to work because I was so hungover. Yeah, man, I, was, I remember just... We don't remember any of that because we're lusting for the old life, and the old life wasn't that great. And that's what he's saying. He says, guys, the enemy, here's the example. Don't lust for the old life. Don't lust for that. Those are evil things. Those are evil things. They lusted. He says, and by the way, verse 7, don't, do not become idolaters as some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat up, what, right, drink, and rose and play. You guys see that in verse 7? You can underline rose and play. That is a huge sexual reference. Okay? Here's what happened. Moses was gone. Moses went up to get the Ten Commandments, Mount Sinai. Right? So Mo is gone. Mo is gone. And so the people start getting restless. Hey, what are you doing? 
I don't know, what are you doing? Moses has been gone a long time. Yeah, he has, man. Listen, I, don't th- I think he's dead because like, he, he didn't even take a snack pack. He didn't take a Lunchable or nothing, so I think he's dead. I think he's dead. We, sh- we should do something. What, what do you think we should do? I don't know. Let's, um, well, who's the assistant pastor? Aaron's assistant pastor. Let's, let's talk to Aaron. Aaron, listen, um, we think Moe's dead. Um, why don't you make us a calf so we could worship? We go back to Egypt. What do you think, Mo? What do you think, Aaron? Well, let's see. Moses is gone. Okay. Uh, yeah. How about this? Bring all of your gold and put it here, and, and, and I'll fashion you a calf. They worshiped a calf. There, there was idol worship. Do you remember when Moses heard about that? Moses comes down, and, and what's the first thing he did? He has a staff meeting. Aaron, what are you doing? You know what Marin's, You know what his lame excuse was? I mean, this goes down as the, I mean, this is the most lame excuse. You know what he told Moses? Yeah, I just threw some gold in there and this calf jumped out. That's what he told Moses. Yeah, you know, I just, I don't know, Mo. I was, it was weird to me too, bro. <laughs> it was weird to me too. I was like, dude, a calf is forming. The Bible says that Mo just looked at him and went, he didn't even give a response. Isn't that the silliest excuse? But they rose up in place. Somewhere along the worship of the calf, they began to have sexual intercourse with each other. And he says, guys, listen, listen. Don't be idolaters. Now, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. You're going, Ben, I don't worship a calf. Listen, come into my house anytime. There's not a golden calf on the mantle. Trust me. Tim Keller is the one who said, that our hearts are idol factories and they produce idols in us if we're not careful. They're idol factories. And here's what I found. The biggest idol that we worship is not a golden calf itself. What I want, my rights, me. Are you kidding? Idols. He says, don't, don't do that. Now, you might be thinking, Ben, what's an idol? What is an idol? Here's what an idol is, really. If you really think that you would be super depressed or you would die without it, that's an idol. I could not live one more day if such and such is taken from me. Wow, doesn't that open a big thing, right? Because because first thing comes to mind is relationships relationships. Now listen, can we be human? And, can we be human? Okay, so when, when my wife got cancer, okay, I cried out to God and said, please don't take my wife from me. You, you understand, that was human. Please don't, Lord, I need her. I can't do this by myself. But if God in his sovereignty had taken Nathalie, she couldn't be an idol in my life to where I stopped living. We've got to worship. Here's the thing, whatever it might be. Whatever it might be, if you go, man, I can't, I won't be able to breathe if such and such is taken away. That's an idol. That's an idol. Listen, we've got to be so careful because our hearts are idol factories. You go, well, Ben, I don't, I don't, okay, dude, I get you, I get you. But, but we also be real careful with all of the other things that we worship. And I'll tell you why. I don't know if you know this, but God created you to worship. He did. You're worshipful beings. You'll worship anything. 
You will. You don't even know it's worship. Okay? Go to a football game and watch the Red Raiders score a touchdown. You're high-fiving people you don't even know. And the sad part about that is you're a germaphobe. So you don't shake anybody's hands in church, but you're like, yeah, boom, 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 because we, it's in us. But God created us to worship, but to worship him. Okay, I'm going to go off on a little tangent. Give me one minute. Sometimes when we worship at a football game or a basketball game or whatever it might be, okay, even a concert, even a concert, right? We go crazy. Did you see Crowder? Ah, you know, I mean, <laughs> he looks like a homeless guy. <laughs> and, right? Right? And then you come to church and you're like this. I, I'm, I'm worshiping. See? I, I was taught this in worship. Carry the TV. Carry the TV. Carry the TV. Right? We should, listen, listen, I don't, I don't want to get crazy, but man, when we're worshiping, we should worship. Right? Amen? We should worship. He's our God. He's our God. We should be like, I don't know. Man, be careful. Don't, don't jump anywhere. But you know what I'm saying? Your heart should be exploding. Right? Wouldn't that be crazy, sis? Wouldn't that be crazy if all of a sudden you're high-fiving all, everybody around you and they're like, this is church. Yeah, Jesus! Boom! Save me from my, save me from my sins. Amen. Amen. Got way off there. Sorry, church. Sorry. Okay. So, what does Paul say? Hey, let's learn from this. Verse 8. He says, let us not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. Let us not tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents, nor complain as some of them complained. Okay. Listen, three examples, he said. He said, guys, be careful. There was the worship of Baal at Peor, and they were, guys, it was sexual morality. I want to warn you. 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 Okay? Sexual immorality, pornography, wants to grip you. It wants to kill you. It does. And, and Paul says, hey, guys, listen, let's learn from their example. We know about it. We know it's an enemy. So we've got to do things better. We've got to do things different. He says, okay, okay, what else? He says, don't tempt Christ. They tested Christ, right? Do you guys remember? It was, they were walking in the wilderness, and the Bible says in Numbers that they were beginning to complain about God and Moses, Right? They were talking bad about their pastor, Moses, and God sent fiery serpents. And the only remedy was what? Moses put a serpent on a pole and he lifted it high. And the only way that you are not going to die is if you looked by faith on the pole of that serpent. He says, he says, listen, guys, here's the example. He says, they tempted Christ. And as some of them also tempted, they were killed by serpents. Wow. You see, that was an example, not only for us, but remember Jesus said, as Moses lifted the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And whoever believes in me should not perish, but have eternal life. That's what Jesus said. 
I was that example. I was, I was that serpent. And if you believed, you might have gotten bit, but you didn't die. When you look to Jesus on the cross, you're saved. You're not going to die. You go, like, physically? No, you'll leave this body here, but you'll never die. You'll never die. And last but not least, he says this, nor complain. We don't complain, do we, guys? He says, here's an example. They complained. They complained. Now, the context, guys, is that, is that they murmured after the judgment of the rebels of Korah. When Korah rebelled, there were some people who said, well, I can't believe God is so hard. He's so harsh. I can't believe. Don't we have that today? Don't we have that today? If you post anything on social media today, anything, it could be the purest, most amazing thing. You'll always have somebody negative to you. You'll always go, well, see, I don't know about that. You didn't take into consideration these people. You didn't take it. And it's just like, look, I just posted that I had a drink of water. But you didn't realize that people are, 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 don't have clean water. There's, there's always somebody, guys. And so the children of Israel, although God pronounced his judgment because they wanted to kill all of Israel. Oh, Korah. Yeah, I don't know why God has to be so hard. I don't know. I don't know. Let's just do this. Let's, let's learn from that example. Let's be careful not to complain. I do it all the time. Sorry, guys. Please forgive me. But I seem to complain. I don't want to do that. Now, I know none of us complain about our wives. Amen? None of us complain. You know, Ben, yeah, we do. You know who we're ultimately complaining to? God. God, God, you made a mistake when you gave me that woman. I'm telling you. Listen, listen, she's, she's cool and all, but you made a mistake because, no, no. He knows what he's doing. He brought you the right person for you. Yeah, but she rubs me the wrong way. Amen. She's trying to grow you up. She's trying to teach you. I know, but she doesn't let me watch football or nothing. And I know our wives never complain about our husbands. No. We're perfect. Paul, what are you saying? Verse 11. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the age. He goes, these things are written, guys. What, what was the purpose? So that we could learn our admonition. Okay? Admonition is a very interesting word. It means to correct lovingly. To correct lovingly, to teach, to set your heart upon. He says, these things were examples so we could learn how to walk with God. That's what they're for, guys, how to walk with God. They were written for Corinth and they were written for us. That's what he's talking about. These things are written. Okay, let's close. Let's close. Let's close. Now, don't put your Bibles away because I got two verses. Real quick. Paul says, Therefore, everybody say therefore. Whenever you see a therefore, here's what I want you to do. I want you to realize that the writer is now going to give you some application. I've just taught you the content. Here's how you apply it. That's what the word therefore means. Okay? He's going, okay, let me just, let me just say this. What, Paul? Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. 
That's the application. When you think, nah, Paul, I got this. I got this. I'm not going to be an idolater. I'm not going to be sexual immorality. I'm not going to be a complainer. I got this, Paul. He says, be careful, because that's exactly when you'll fall. That's the application. Well, Paul, Paul, you don't understand, bro. I'm being tempted like nobody else has been tempted. Paul says, well, wait a minute. He says in verse 13, no temptation is overtaking you, right? Such as common to man, except such as common to man. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with this temptation, he will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. What's he saying right here, guys? He's saying, guys, listen, anything you're tempted has, it's nothing new under the sun. Uh, I'm being tempted in a weird way. No, that's, that's about normal. That's about no temptation overcoming you. Here's what you need to know. Here's what you need to know. Temptation is not a sin. Being tempted is not a sin. A lot of times temptation are triggers in your life to cause you to sin. That's all they are. But Jesus said through the writing of Paul under the power of the Holy Spirit, he said, if you're being tempted, God is also giving you a way of escape. You have to walk in it. You have to learn. You have to be that man. You have to be the one to turn off the computer or do what Kirk Cameron did in that movie, Fireproof. Take it out and beat it with a bat. If it's going to cause you to stumble, if that's what you got to do, but he's giving you a way out. We've got to look for those guys. Oh, I'm being tempted. I'm being tempted right now. Boy, that girl at the office, she's, she's always flirting with me. Boy, that, that guy at, at the grocery store, he's, I'm telling you, guys, there's always a way. There's nothing new. Hey, these, these people, they're tempting me to embezzle money. They figured out a way we could do it. We won't get caught. I can pay off my bills. I can get a new car. I can put a down payment on a house. You don't understand. No. These things were written for our admonition. For us. So that we could grow. Father, thank you for your word and the truth in your word. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.